Have you ever listened to someone's story and wondered how they're still standing? Today's guest, Candace Bakke, has endured intimate abuse that initially left her completely broken physically, mentally, and spiritually. She is now a high-performing entrepreneur and exceptional human being, sharing her lessons learned to help others through their tragedies and setbacks. Welcome to Rising Strong, Mental Health and Resilience. I'm Lisa, and I believe the power of stories help educate and connect us. And I can't wait to share Candace's story with you. Just note that while she does refer to the intimate abuse, she does not get into the details. Now, let's get started. I met Candace at an event I was speaking at this spring. I was immediately drawn to her warm personality. Shortly after that, we went for a walk and she shared her story with me. Candace is, without a doubt, rising strong. Welcome to the show, Candace. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your life growing up and the person you were before your life took an unexpected turn. Well, where do you start when you think about life, right? I I always go right to family. I come from, I think your foundation says a lot about where you go in life. And my family is a very strong family. I'm the middle child, older brother, younger sister. I had the blessing of having my mom at home for many years till grade seven with a lot of emotional support from her and encouragement. I had that curly hair with freckles. I was quite insecure, although I found my place in sports and a national jump rope champion, an incredible group where we traveled the country together. I never fell into a crowd. Everyone has that click maybe that they belong to. I feel like I kind of navigated all of them and became friends with a good variety of people who shaped me into who I am today, treasured friendships. And Right away, once I got that hook of working and getting my first job delivering newspapers, uh, working at Shoppers Drug Mart, that's where I think I found this new side of me, a purpose of independence. And I just kept scaling and growing from there on that responsibility side. Uh, Not only that, but how I made people feel. So I'd get people ready for dances or customers that would come in to the place I was working, I would serve them and remember their names and their kids' names and what cigarettes they smoked or lottery they chose. And that really shaped kind of a confident personality in me is once I entered the workplace. In your presentations, you speak about intimate abuse and the staggering statistics. Can you take us back to the events that, as you say, made you another statistic? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, coming from a foundation of loving what I do and uh, building off a career at a young age, I went into beauty school. I thrived. I, I was a very competitive winning trips for performance with retail and connecting with people. And then my whole world took a turn when I became an entrepreneur. I was at a peak in my life when it came to my professional side and in my personal side, a relationship I'd been in since I was 16 years old. We bought our first home together. We ran 
pub crawls together, earning extra income. We did so many firsts together. That relationship became very rocky. And I found out he was living a second life through coping with depression and addiction. And for myself, that was a just a deal breaker. That was something that was his journey to heal. And I I chose to move past that relationship and got my own home. And I'd never felt scared of our relationship, but my world changed forever after a severe assault. And I didn't show up for work, which was a part of who I was. And and my whole life changed from that point forward. So when you see a statistic, uh, a statistic I wasn't aware of is that Saskatchewan for decades has held the national average for domestic violence. And uh, I became part of that. And until I experienced it like many, I had no idea that was a common thing that households went through. I can't even begin to imagine. And especially when you care about this person so, so much and you've, you've spent a significant amount of time together. How did this affect your mental health, your self-worth and your confidence? My experience ended up being very public. I'd just been nominated Young Entrepreneur of the Year. So a ton of connections in the community. Although it was public, I felt like I just had incredible amounts of support. I'll never forget getting back to work and seeing these headlines in the paper after all the court systems start to go public. Anyone can go into a public court system. And the newspaper read... Horrific assault in its jail. And I had to go to work that day. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember when it comes to the mental health, I was a different person. My voice, my vision, my emotional responses, my physical abilities, my irritability, my exhaustion, everything was harder. I had suffered a central stroke. So I couldn't walk, talk, eat, or see. So in recovery, it's a lot slower than you ever want to. Anything, anytime you're healing, I think we there's so much uncertainty. We don't know where it's going to end or where it's going to go or grow. People looked at me different. You know, I came from this peak of my career and now I was in a place of a complete uncertainty. So when I learned that uh, the moment I decided that I wanted something to feel different, than my current reality. And it started to happen. So if I didn't want my family to do something uh, that was making me feel like a victim, I would ask them and communicate that and say, you know, let me open the door and, and gain my independence back. Let me move back home. And then I, I did. I would, I would fall and get back up. Uh, I would go to physio and I couldn't butter bread. You know, it looks like I was attacking it with a knife. Uh, so I would call up level 10 who trained like major athletes. And I would say, help me reconnect to my body again, because it's not doing what I ask it to do. They would help me believe my body wouldn't perform and respond. So the, I had this focus on how can I show them when I thought about my self-worth and my confidence growth journey in that place of desperation to really reconnect to myself. And how can I show them that I'm okay? I believe came from not wanting to feel like a victim. I didn't like being looked at differently. I was used to being in a peak of enjoying my life and it was stripped from me. 
So that journey, that question to myself, how can I show them served me for a long time? I really focused and sought out a massive amount of support for every area of my life. Everything from like a naturopath doctor to learn to sleep again, to working with consultants in my business where I could implement systems and strategies that would help me work smarter, not harder. Because my old way in my old body was I work day and night. That's how you become successful. My new body and the new journey, I needed to honor my body. It needed more rest. It needed more support. So I found out through asking from a lot of help how to get that support. And I cried quietly, but I was really loud with my courage. If you're loving the show, I want to hear your feedback. Take a screenshot showing your five-star rating and that you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcast or are following us on Spotify. Then head over to the Rising Strong Podcast Facebook page. Hit the message button and send it my way. You'll be entered to win some Rising Strong swag. I will draw one name at the end of each month. Good luck and thanks for listening. How long did it take you to discover this powerful mindset? I don't remember any of it. I went to bed and woke up in a hospital. So I believe God protected me and and I didn't need to remember the trauma or being assaulted in the way that I was. Uh, so I remember my power first when I was laying in the hospital bed. I was unable to walk, talk or see. I was forced to rest. And I'd been going since 16. So 16 to 22, I was career driven and working so hard. And I was just in this place of rest and feeling all this love and support around me. I was never left alone by family or friends. And there's also this experience uh, where I was told by, I believe it's a client that came to visit me. Again, all I can remember was the voices because I couldn't see or their faces. She told me I was in a healing circle or a prayer circle in her church. And I remember the day before having this like full body energy around me, like it was a big hug. And I believe that's the first time I felt the power of others' prayers. I learned to turn to my faith in a way that I never had. I always had faith, but it was different laying there, believing that I could have lost my life and I didn't. And that God kept me here for a reason. And faith turned me to gratitude for this gift of life. And um, I just, that was when my power came right there in that hospital bed. I, without a doubt, knew that I was going to win this battle. I made that decision there and that's where I focused. There was no exception. In all the pain and chaos, you still chose forgiveness. Why? Forgiveness was a, a complicated process. You know, it, it started with acceptance. I think you hear that phrase, accept the things you cannot change. That would redirect my mindset. If I didn't release the weight of the things I can't change, that would mean that I have to carry it with me like a backpack, right? Like you think, picture that weight on you. That doesn't feel good. I needed, I need to release it, but how do I honor this? anger and this pain um, that the lifelong changes and this trauma caused me. How, how do you forgive someone when it feels like they took everything from you? So you go through this process of like anger or 
you know you need to release it. You don't want to carry it with you, but how do you let it go? So I got curious about healing and I would look into books. A few that I remember is that um, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. I just adored that. It had a workbook with it. And then, believe it or not, my ex called me from jail and he was sharing his journey. He had never harmed me prior to this incident. And he told me about a book he read in jail. And he said that it changed him. It was called Awaken the Giant Within from Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. I don't share this with too many people that he was the actual person that told me about this book. And I got it the next day and I felt like I changed too. And I started understanding that forgiving someone didn't mean that what they did was okay. And that's where I finally got that permission that I I get to move on now on my terms and he deserves to move on and heal on his terms and we are no longer connected. I don't carry the weight of what happened from that trauma with me any longer. I've chose to to release that through forgiveness. That's where my healing journey really began. Because once I honored forgiveness, I started to feel grateful for the things I learned about myself and how it was shaping me to be a stronger person, lead my life differently, have more compassion. I had a whole different outlook on life. Do you think that your healing journey would look the same if you weren't able to forgive? I don't. I don't believe I would get, have gotten to the gratitude for the lessons that I learned hmm. about um, how grateful I am for just the resilience of my body. You know, I live with a brain injury and uh, there were so many things I took for granted. There's so many things. How do I, if I'm still mad about that every day, that anger would win over the gratitude that I can and I have life. That is such a big lesson for all of us, Candace. Mindset is clearly a big part of surviving and thriving for you. How did you use mindset to deal with limiting beliefs and fear? Yeah, I, that word fear, right? When I heard it in an acronym for the first time, uh, that's always stuck with me, the future evidence appearing real. And it's so true. The things we create in our mind um, or the worries in our head from our past, we can't change. The fears from our future, they don't even exist. We're just creating them in our head and focusing on them. So big one that stuck with me is where energy goes, energy flows. Mm. And so you can focus on that fear that doesn't actually exist or the past that you cannot change. Or you can say, what is it that I do want? And it's bedtime with that. Go visualize those details. Get connected emotionally to the outcome that you can influence today. And believe you can and will make it happen. Another phrase that I serve myself with when I'm in the place of worry or fear, I don't think I can is... How can I appreciate the guidance I'm receiving in this moment? And that question always makes me pause a little bit and say, what am I learning or what am I actually, what's actually causing this belief or what needs are being met, right? Mm -hmm. So, so insightful. So let's fast forward a little bit. Tell us about the My Life Planner that you created. How did that come to be and how can it be a helpful tool for others? Well, career driven was was part of my foundation and after trauma I got you know a lot more passionate about life as a whole and I wasn't finding 
tools that would help me day to day. I really thrived and loved being more creative, adventurous, and wanting to live with intention and release overwhelm. I wanted to heal. I wanted to be aware of the lessons I'm learning. I wanted to honor the gifts with gratitude. Do you have all these things, but how do you stay connected to them day to day? So it, it started with expanding from the beauty business as a salon owner into running Saskatchewan Fashion Week and leading a nonprofit organization with large committees and and then eventually expanding into beauty college, uh, which is where I went and purchasing that at 30. And these massive endeavors forced me to really focus on how I spent every 15 minutes. You know, every 15 minutes counts. How you spend that time with people counts. Connections of life count. Your actions, your follow through, each moment matters. So how was I going to get the most out of that? And and when I bought the beauty school, I was working with primarily 17 to 25 age groups and a lot of life skills, I believe, aren't taught at a foundational age in high school, elementary school. We just, we're not learning the soft skills. We have traditional school. And I've been learning professional development since I was a teenager. My dad put those books in my mind and that's all I knew. So it started with giving my students these tools and then it turned into a booklet and then it expanded into to a tool I wanted to share with the world so they could have this keepsake of celebrations and experiences every 12 months. Habits they could honor every month. And mostly when I started sharing my story publicly, I wanted to say, here's my story, what's yours? Mm. And provide them with the tool to navigate that story. And you gifted me one of these life planners. And I have to say that it is one of my favorite tools as well. I was for a while using it on the daily. Now I check in with it during the week, but uh, it is something that I would encourage everybody to check out. Why do you think it's important to talk about adversity, struggles, and challenges with others? I believe it's important because we're the most quiet when we're in the defeats of our pain. And we're trying to figure out how to survive the disruptions, whatever they look like. Uh, We can't really compare to each other's stories. Uh, No paths are going to be the same, but we can learn from the perspectives and open our hearts and invite new paths and feel less alone when we listen to people in their journey. So as a hairstylist for 20 years, I got to hear so many stories. It was like, thousands of keynotes a year because people share everything with you behind the chair. It's a one-on-one sacred space. I think the learning from other people helped me step into my power and give myself permission to be shiny. You see the ripple effect when you stand in your power of, you know, here's me and my strength, you know, let's help others shine too. Give her if we, if we all have a story and we support each other and get curious about what our unique gifts are, we're more likely to celebrate each other. And I think every time I share, someone comes up and lets me know how it helped them. Another thing too is you hear this term, you are who you surround yourself by. And it, I've always resonated with that and sought out new people to inspire me. But I also believe it's about who you bring up along the way. Because uh, success to me is not only growing myself, but growing other people. And there's there's a really true gift when you can sit back quietly and cheer someone else on because you've helped them come out of their, their lobes. Isn't that the truth? I couldn't agree with you more. 
What is your top coping strategy for anyone who may be struggling? Awareness. When you are aware that you're not meeting a need of yours uh, and you get curious what where it's coming from, I think you can start to make change to meet them. So if you're aware, you're triggered. You just pause and you go into that. It supports you. And through the planner tools and all the events I've been to and the work I've done, I, I created a whole different process because what I learned is there's not just one type of person that helps me cope. I have all sorts of different versions of me within. I call them my alter egos. Mm-hmm. And as I built my alter egos, I could choose, I could become aware, where, where am I struggling? And then I could say, what do I need? And I could call on that alter ego. That, that is what I'm not right now. And so if I need courage, I call her Raven. And Raven comes out and she pulls me into that energy. She's like a character within me. I can just put the hat on. And then I'm courageous. I've exercised her, I've learned her. I know how to become her. And it's like, you know, that telephone voice. You answer the phone, you just become, that voice just happens. I believe that you can choose to transform the moment you decide. And as you build those characters in you, you just become them when you decide you need to. And so courage was my first. Raven is my strongest exercise alter ego for sure. And I really resonate with her. She's easy to go into now. Uh, my nurturing self, you know, the one that's calm, supportive energy. I I call her Charlize. She's not my nature. That's like the feminine energy. I don't naturally go there. I have to choose it and keep working on that. I have learned to really value the feminine. I've learned to appreciate the balance between them and call on that soft nature when I need to relax and listen and be more calm. Uh, Nurturing of my emotions and, and meet my needs from a calm space, not a dominant, got to go tackle this, right? Like you can't always just go after everything. You also have to just nurture things sometimes. You have your triggered self, your angry self. You've got uh, the one I most recently added for an alter ego was Shanti. And Shanti means peace. I was at a retreat and I learned that word, a yoga retreat. And I just felt... Like I experienced peace and harmony for the first time and I want to go there more. So that's my my most recent added alter ego that I'm I'm learning to evolve. So much work that you have done. Not only are you surviving, you're thriving and you continue to grow. If any of our listeners want to reach out, because I'm sure there's some people that are really resonating with your story, where's the best place for them to contact you with questions, inquiries, and so forth? So I have, I have Sheer Escape Salon, I have the Style Academy, I have My Life Planner, Life School. Those are all places that you might resonate with different reasons, right? So DMs there. But my primary is email. Notifications can become overwhelming. So Candice at styleacademy.ca. That's my primary email that, I, that I'm with every day. If there's something directly you want to connect with me about, that's my day-to-day right now. Perfect. What does resilience mean to you, Candice? That's one of my favorite words. And I believe it's when you experience defeating emotions, but you choose to keep 
looking for a desired outcome, even if you can't see what it looks like after that. Mm -hmm. I think it's just continuing to bounce back from those defeating emotions. Absolutely. And they're always there, aren't they? Those desired outcomes need to be the first we see. Exactly. And to know that it's possible. Yeah, the faith. How do you think you've become more resilient? Uh, Absolutely healthy habits. I just keep adding to them every single year. I'm a high follow through when I learn something and implement it and, and I keep it. So it gets easier and easier to add to the routine. And my routine keeps me showing up the best version of me, uh, despite challenges or rejection, all the things that go on when you're continuing to evolve your body, mind, and soul. Uh, you're fueled by a routine. You're committed. And you build trust within yourself. So, you know, I, my routine starts at 5 a.m. It just depends on the day. But that routine is consistent. And it's what helps me show up. Self-care is is important, but self-trust comes from that. Mm. And as you build a relationship with yourself, you trust yourself. You can't always just go into trust with yourself. You got to prove to yourself that you will wake up each day, that you will make that phone call. You will build that business. You will reach out to that relationship that needs repair. Like every time you do things that are hard, you build trust with yourself. I love that you shared that with us. Um, I've always believed that, but I've never heard it phrased quite like that. And I, I just thank you so much for your insights and sharing really a very, very difficult and vulnerable story with us. Candace, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really look forward to watching you continue to grow and soar. Thank you, Lisa. You are a gift to someone. Mm-hmm.